Hello again, friends, and welcome. Welcome back to the Overview Effect with James Perrin, the podcast where I like to have deep, intimate, but big picture conversations all around our world, nature, environmentalism, humanity, and all things good. I'm your host, James Perrin, and of course, I would love to start by acknowledging that this podcast, today's episode, was recorded on Bunjalung Country, beautiful Bunjalung Country, and I want to pay respects to elders and members of the Bunjalung community and First Nations people all around Australia. Now, I've got a ripper, an absolute ripper for you today, and I want to start by asking you, have you ever taken something on that, at the time, you thought, I'm in over my head here, what am I doing? Maybe it was moving cities, changing careers, building a house, going on an adventure, whatever it was, it's something that you've gone, oh man, I don't think I can do this. For me, that was running a marathon. I remember exactly how it happened. I was living and working in New Zealand, and the company that I worked for had sponsored the Auckland Marathon and encouraged staff to enter. And I'd been exercising a couple times a week, I felt pretty fit, my workmates signed up to the 10 or the 21 kilometer runs, and I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I signed up for the full marathon. It was a moment of inspiration, and I felt really good about it. Now, I had never run in a proper event before, not even like a fun run. I was healthy, but I was not, and still am not, by any stretch, a gifted athlete. And then everyone around me started saying, what are you doing? The full marathon? You're crazy. Oh my gosh, no, you can't do that. And then all of a sudden, I went from inspired to terrified. I started training a little bit, but I also had a newborn. So I juggled my time. And like I said, I'd never done any serious running before. I was getting all sorts of cramps and pains in my legs and feet. Race day came and I remember riding on the ferry in the darkness of the early morning, it was like 5am, to the start line all alone. No one else was running that I knew was running the full one with me. All around me were people who, you know, they looked like serious athletes. They had all the gear, they seemed to know one another, they were laughing, they were stretching, warming up, and my heart was pounding. I felt nauseous and I wanted to give up and go home, quite frankly, but i Got to the start line, the race started, and I tried to keep pace with the 3.30 pacer, three and a half hour pacer. And about halfway through the run, he dropped me, and shortly after that, I started cramping in my calves really badly. I had to stop and sit down, and then I ended up kind of walk jogging the rest of the way in absolute pain. It was a struggle, and it sucked. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I limped across the line very unceremonially in about four and a half hours. And then I just got in the car and drove home thinking that I'd failed. But then after a rest and some food, it dawned on me. I did it. All I set out to do was finish and I did it. I achieved it literally all on my own. And then I had one of those life lesson moments where I said to myself, what else am I capable of? Now, my guest today has 
a similar, albeit far greater and far more impactful story. He's someone who stumbled into the everyday nine-to-five office work schedule as an engineer, and there's nothing wrong with that, but he itched for something more, and he tried to scratch that itch with footy and drinking beer and being a bloke. But one day, he left it all behind to live a dirtbag life as an ultra-runner. And he too started with a casual marathon, which grew quickly into ultra marathons, which then took him all over the world. He has raced in famous events such as the 170km Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, or UTMB, and the 230km Marathon du Saab. And he has won events such as the Tarawera Ultra and the Elk Elk Valley Ultra. And more recently, he has been the trail lead or race director for the Tekina Ultra in Tasmania. This is the one that I ran earlier this year through the rainforest. And not only that, he became actively involved in that rainforest protection campaign, supporting the blockade and even appearing in court in defense of protecting these old growth forests. He's now a co-founder of For Wild Places, which is a not-for-profit that holds events to raise awareness and funds to protect nature through sports activism. And this is a conversation about questioning the the comfort and leisure of life. It's about how everyday people can do amazing things. It's about running. But more than that, it's about how a condensed event like running or any other big life event presents us with a metaphor to break through and live a more conscious life. So please enjoy this conversation with the brave, the kind, and the awkward, Mile Backhausen. Yeah, what a gem that one's cool. Yeah. All right. Should we do it? Happy. <laughs> Let's do a little. You want to record it? We can do a little heart meditation to get into it. Yeah, sweet as. Do you want to lead it? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're recording. Yeah, so we can. So you know, it's, it's so interesting when you come into a space like this where it's like a curated conversation in in a very small way. Like it's set up mm. in that you know you've got the equipment. Um, we've got a certain set of time. You want to touch on a certain few topics. And I feel like you can um, like be not like not anxious, but you can definitely take time to put yourself in a more like coherent state. And there's this practice called heart math, which really allows you to kind of drop into those states of coherence. So, and essentially, you're not really operating from the mind as much, but more operating from your heart space. And once you're in coherence with your heart, and you've got a like a different frequency that you're operating from. Yeah, you can just, I think, yeah, operate more from your true self in a way. So what we can do is we just slow down our breathing a little bit and just breathe in slowly and out slowly for like five seconds. So breathe in for five seconds and out for five seconds, starting like, and you can do that through your nose if you can. And then you make a real conscious and a real genuine effort to feel a sense of appreciation or gratitude. And that might help if you think of a person or an experience 
or an object, just something that you have unconditional gratitude for, unconditional appreciation for. And you really feel that and allow that to be felt all the way through your body. Feel that gratitude in your heart space. And then in saying that, you can also just send that sense and feeling of gratitude out to the world. Think of the close people in your life that you want to send that to. And then just send that out to a wider audience, a wider community, all people, all cultures, all nations. And you can just send that feeling of gratitude out to people. And then, yeah, you can just kind of open your eyes and let that set the tone for the, for the rest of the day. Yeah, and just understand that you can you can drop back into that space and that feeling and that frequency and coherence anytime. Mm. It's got to take, you know, a few minutes to do it. <laughs> and yeah, you, you know, before you enter into a situation, you can just, yeah, you can just do that. <laughs> so anyway, there we go. Now we're on, now we're on a, a that was, good that was frequency. Great. That was great. And you're right, it can be a bit of a, I mean, you do, you do this, you do podcast episodes and it can be a bit like in some way curated, you know, because you're or a bit awkward, especially starting because <laughs> you, you you say hello to someone, you kind of have your, your normal connection, your talk before you hit record and you have your bit of whether it's chit chat or whether you're kind of reconnecting. And then you sit down, you hit record, and you've got to kind of awkwardly stumble through, like, reintroducing yourself. Like, yeah. <laughs> hello, welcome to the show. So we've just been chatting for the last hour, but... <laughs> <laughs> and we should have recorded all of that. Yeah. All of it was gold, and now we're going to have to recreate some of those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so it's good. Do you do a lot of that kind of exercise, that kind of breathing technique? dropping yourself into that space definitely hey and i think the breath is so powerful in in so many situations um and you know either be it like something that's similar to wim hof or yeah doing something like a heart meditation when we can when we can bring it back to the breath it's it's something that we always have with us and so you've always got that ability to always tap back into that that space because you know we we can live without food we can live without water for a few days but we can we can't live without the breath for a couple of minutes and mm. so it's always going to be there it's like the ever present thing that we have with us mm. um and so you can always use it to to focus on or to yeah, to, to use it to help calm you down. You can use it to help, like, pipe you up as well. Yeah, the breath is has just an incredible power. Um, and so too does the heart. The heart is just, um, you know, it's not just a muscle that pumps blood, as we're so often led to believe. It's, it's a muscle that has um, 
it's yeah it's a muscle and it's a it's a nerve center that has has some nerve cells or um new i don't know if it's neurological cells that are equal to the the um the cells that we have in our brain and yeah well once you once you know that then you just think whoa what what intelligence does the heart have or what what role does the heart play in our existence that that we don't either know about or we don't care to know about or we don't know how it's even affecting our lives um on a daily level mm. but yeah if it's got if it's got that kind of a makeup and you look at how much we respect the brain for its composition when the heart has some of that composition as well mm. um yeah there's a lot of research to suggest that it has a a deep innate intelligence that uh yeah, that is um, powerful beyond our, our means. And, you know, you talk about gut feeling or, it, you know, the gut, the heart, like yep. a lot yep. of heart feeling. So anyway, the breath, I think, can just connect you back to that heart space as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, pretty epic. <laughs> it is pretty epic. And it's a really good example of, I mean, before we hit record, we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things we talked about was like, and it will come out, but um, kind of our similar stories starting in the world of engineering and you know migrating into other things and it was like we reflected on how people we as people can get swept up in what i don't know society or what society tells us to do all those norms and expectations whereas i think your example and and you know this idea of just coming back to your breath and using that is something that you can always do like regardless of what's going on out there what's happening in the world like you've got that tool or you, it's not even a tool you've got that within you and that's like part of your freedom yeah. <laughs> you know? like yeah. you can use that to in any way shape or form you want and you're not going to get swept up by external environments or external circumstances like that's something you can always come back to yeah 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 it's centering man it's awesome. centering yeah love it love it all right, well, from that, I'm going to ask you the same question that I always ask all of my guests, the same leading question, which is kind of the inspiration behind this show, so the overview effect, which is this experience that astronauts have when they first go up into space and they see Earth from space for the first time and they describe it as this profound change in perspective. You know, they... they um, I often think of astronauts like engineers um, as kind of like calculated, kind of cold, hard, factual, scientific, whereas they describe this overwhelming sense of emotion and connection and awe and sense of majesty to the world and, and everything on it. Um, and they describe it as changing their perspective forever. You know, they come back to Earth profoundly changed. And I think that there's an element of that. We can have moments like that through our lives that really change our perspective. So have you had a moment or an experience or a period of time that has really dramatically shaped who you are and your um, perception of the world? Yeah, mate. I'm uh, obviously expecting this question <laughs> and um, still haven't done my homework to prepare for it enough. But, um, <laughs> but That's the best kind when yeah. it's off the cuff. <laughs> You know, like, uh, um, I'm glad that you've opened it up a little bit more to a period of time as opposed to one small mm. situation. But uh, I think if I was to, I guess, summarize it or try to, yeah, try to 
think of a um, a combination of moments. I'd probably say that it is the moments where I felt the elements of the natural world. Mm. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, like we, we're, we're such, you know, at the moment we can be such creatures of comfort um, just due to the nature of how things are with like, you know, we sit in a house or sit in an office and we sit in a car and we, we're always pretty confined to a smaller space compared to the, the wide open space that's the outside natural world and we can control those environments and we can um, control those environments to a certain extent so we do not feel the true elements of nature and the world. So the wind, the rain, the heat, the sun... Um, yeah, and, and I feel like through, I guess, you know, coming back to the sport of running and my experiences with running because they probably allowed me to feel those elements a lot more often. Um, I'd say that, yeah, whenever I spent time outside and I really felt those elements, they they were the moments that I really, like, deep down kind of enjoyed because they made me feel, like, alive again or real again or more human again. And... And they also like went so far from what you get told to do, you know, always like put on a jacket if you're cold, like don't go running in the rain, like you can't go running because it's too hot today, like you can't, like you can't do anything if you, if you <laughs> want to avoid all the elements, you know, it's crazy, like you can't go in the water, it's like, you know, you can't go for a surf now, or you can't go, you can't go for a swim now, like it's all just all these like made up rules. So they stop us from really experiencing those elements. And I feel, yeah, like all those moments that I was able to just made me feel so much more alive. Mm. And, and then I think that, you know, led to situations where, yeah, like you said, you know, sitting in an office, you know, playing the, the role of an engineer and trying to live that professional life, just really kind of restricted all those times and opportunities to go outside a lot more and to experience those elements and to and to move as well like moving through elements i think is a combination that's just amazing you know as humans and as you know animals essentially like when you take that away and you you put someone in a seat in an office you know be it like offshore like on an oil rig or out in the middle of a desert or the outback um yeah i just I think a combination of two extremes, being able to be free in any part of the world running and then being put in, in an office, putting myself in an office um, and constricting the the movement, constricting the ability to experience elements. Yeah, and um, I think over time I I jumped from one extreme to the other so so often and then I... Yeah, started to I guess really listen to what I was uh, saying from the inside out, and it's like, oh, hang on a sec, like I got to change something here, or I really feel like I want to change something. Um, yeah, so mm. uh, yeah, I suppose I suppose I, that's it, man. Yeah. Oh, man, I totally I totally know what you mean. I mean, um, those are the mo- those are the reasons why I like running as well, and we have people. Like, um, you know, surfers explain this all the time, being out there in the ocean 
and being in another world and being part of the the whims of nature and the waves and what's you know you haven't got your phone out there you're not yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the clock um and and it's the same in a in if you're deep in the forest like i had that multiple times through the Takina run which you yeah. trekked out this unbelievable route and the you, when you're running through an ancient rainforest and it's there's no one else around it's just it's another world and the only way i could describe the the feeling is that i actually felt like like my cells were kind of tingling a little bit you know (laughs) it's kind of like that kind of feeling you're out there and you're just like the you're lighter and your your kind of energy is different and your perceptions open up and it's just a completely different world out there so i a hundred (laughs) percent can see what you mean yeah <laughs> i think it's it's a really good um it's a really good point when you don't have vocabulary to describe it you know and i think i think we can all some people do an amazing job hey of articulating the way they feel and what they experience i think it's amazing like i i'm so impressed by how some people do that um but you know when i am in a situation and i just can't explain it i'm like and i use some you know commonly i'm just i'm just stoked mate. like i'm just i'm just stoked like i i my stoke meter is just going like it's about to blow up yeah <laughs> like that's just but you can and you, you can you know you can feel it from someone and you can sense it from their face and their body language and like yeah. kind of the energy that they're they're bringing bringing forth yeah yeah is that the is it though so is it those people will know you as an as a runner you yeah, know, yeah and a professional yeah. runner and your career through doing you know, UTMB and Marathon de Saab and all those epic runs, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what got you into running? Was it the, that sort of – was it those moments? Did you experience those moments and that's what really drove you to go and become a professional runner? Oh, no, nah, like the way I got into running really was um, just – it's just the classic situation of, of – um, I moved to London, right? And when I was in London, uh, I guess I lost a lot of um, – yeah, I, I moved from Australia and in Australia I was playing a lot of football, like Aussie um, Aussie rules football. And that was my um, – I guess that was my excuse to, to move and that's what made me move a lot, um, be out in the elements. Um, also then took me into the gym to do like gym work and, and I just – um, when I went to London, I, I guess I removed myself from that community and that opportunity, and and also, um, I guess all the friendships that came with that, and and so when I was in London, I just needed I needed my physical outlet or movement outlet or you know connection with nature, and uh, so I just started running to work as a way to commute, and. I guess the same thing, you know, you'd have to get up early, you'd have to, to run through a city in the, the quiet moments and you see the, the mist drifting off to all the rivers that you cross. Um, and so that really got me into running um, as, as like a lifestyle thing. You know, I never knew running was actually a sport. I just thought it was components of other sports. And then I started to understand that people did half marathons and marathons and you could running could be your sport and i was like well this is like and i thought a marathon geez that is how could anyone do that like <laughs> unreal um okay okay i'm gonna try and go for that 
and you know far out if i survive wow like what a, what an epic journey that will be and so yeah i just got into just got into road running a lot just due to the nature of where i was and road marathons and then yeah i just kind of um tried tried a couple of trail races as well because they just fit in in term like fit into the schedule and they were on the calendar in close proximity and when I ran my first trail marathon, I was like, whoa, like, wow. That's when I just felt elements that, that I was just like, yes, this is, this is awesome. Mm. Like, you know, you fall over in the mud, you get saturated, you, you know, you get drenched in the rain. And, and it was all just like, it was so much more, I guess, natural because you were on trails and, and so close to trees. And, and so the journey just had this whole new like depth to it, you know? And, uh, and then from that, um, I met an amazing um, friend of mine, um, Robbie Britton, who actually saw me eating at a picnic one day at, at, at an event. It was an event, like, a, and they provided food. And, um, and I ate like two trays of sandwiches. And he just said, he's like, mate, have you done ultra running before? Because you can eat so much. You'd be great at ultra running, <laughs> you know. And that whole concept of like ultra running is just a big picnic with a bit of running in between. Yes. And I don't know why that captivated me so much, but um and I I'd heard of ultra running before, but just just the random interest from a, a stranger essentially. Uh he was a stranger at the time more or less like and I don't know, he just said, "Mate, like give it a crack." And and so I did that um just because, you know, like I I had some natural feeling towards wanting to to go further and see how far i could go and the thought of doing something like 50k or 100k or 100 miles it like there was it was weird there was no like fear attached to it it was just like yep that's that definitely seems like something i i need to experience and Mm. i will experience and it's only going to be a matter of time um i guess i lost any kind of fear or assumptions from running a marathon and not and not even like not that I didn't struggle but not suffering from it at all like I was like wow I, I ran a marathon and I actually like enjoyed the process and it made me focus on this period of time whilst I was moving like and that focus that it like allowed me to feel is something I'd never felt before and um so yeah I just kind of like yeah just tried i just went out (laughs) to try and experience and um and yeah and yeah you know i just and so that's how like the journey started for me and my running and um yeah i guess it goes on and on in regards to you know I, i went i was working as an engineer at the time and and i was um i was spending like two weeks at a time offshore um in the north sea of scotland um, and so I'd catch a helicopter out there, sit on a barge and a, and a rig for two, two weeks and then come back onto land and just, and when I got back onto land, I was like, okay, like get me to the, get me to the mountains or get me outdoors. And, and I'd just go from one extreme to the other and I'd, I'd fly down to the mountains for a weekend and just, just roam and just be out there. Um, and I think, you know, one part of my life was like a lot to do with my mind, like telling me that I need to do this, I should do this. And then the other part was like, you also need to do this, and you, but you really feel like you need to do this. 
as opposed to think that you need to do this. And, uh, and yeah, I just um, had an opportunity to, to take time off engineering. Um, and this was like quite a few months later on. And uh, when I was actually working in Australia and um, yeah, I just, I just made this decision to like, uh, yeah, one of those pivotal moments, you know, that we were talking about before, probably one of the, you know, up there with one of the most pivotal moments of my life where I just made a decision to completely flip, not live out in the middle of South Central Queensland working um, on some coal seam gas fields. And instead I, yeah, put work on hold for, I didn't know, five months and decided to go live in a, in a one-bedroom apartment with, that, with Robbie and his partner Natalie mm. um, and another mate, Paul, and a dog, Rosa. <laughs> um, and we just kind of, yeah, lived this running, running bum life. And I, you know, I just think, well, it's kind of like being a ski bum or a surf bum, but it was running and, mm. and yeah, and just like, and, and that, that was a moment where I was like, oh, okay, this, yeah, this is, this is okay to do because like everything else in the world was a lot more silent. Like there wasn't many shoulds and there wasn't many like have to and all of that like mm. a lot of the world became a lot more silent i was like ah this must be a really important thing for me to be doing right now because yes. like yeah There's, i love how running is such a metaphor for life in so many ways right <laughs> so much yeah <laughs> i mean you, you you said and i've experienced a similar um a similar thing nowhere near on the scale or level or you know depth to experience that you have with running but i've experienced the same thing where i first did my like the first time i did a marathon i was like super scared how am i going to do this yeah. you know am i even going to be able to walk afterwards you know <laughs> yeah. and then you do it and it was hard but you're like oh, i just did that yeah you know oh what else can i do yeah you know and that it opens up that that mindset to go Ah, oh, what you know? I, I think I'm more capable than I thought I was, and you start getting that confidence to go. Okay, well now I might try to do a an Ironman or a an ultra or whatever, and it gets to the stage where people start looking at you like you're crazy. What you're going to go and run 50 k's through the Tasmanian bush? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should you should come. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can yeah. do it too. Like you can do it. Yeah. Um, and it's this massive eye-opening experience that applies to not just running. It, then when you feel that and you experience that through running, you can start to apply that thinking to other aspects of life, right? And go, well, what else can I, what else have I told myself I can't do? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's made a hundred percent, hey? And like, it's just, yeah. And, and that's the beauty of like being able to tune into other people's stories and create like what you do and create space to allow people to tell their stories because they they so often they stem from that that um situation where they were so unsure and so concerned about like if it was possible or not and the effects it would have on on life as they knew it at that time then for whatever reason like took it on and then boom like Mm. you blow like a whole shift in perspective like you were saying you know like totally yeah i, I mean and and then you start to notice it and I, like i built a house a couple of years ago a small house um 
And then I was telling a, a work friend at the time, you know, as I was going through the building, he's like, oh, I would love to do that one day. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. And I just thought, we'll just do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you, you can do it. You can do this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And there's so many other metaphors that running is for life. <laughs> and maybe we'll bring them up in a minute. But yeah. I want to also um, just understand your transition from that moment transitioning from kind of engineering or your engineering career to your running career. Um, you know, what made you, I guess as a starting point, what made you go into engineering? How did you enter that field? Was that a conscious decision like it was for running or was that kind of more just following a trajectory that was laid out for you? Yeah, it's an interesting one, hey, because when I look back at it, um, you know, it was the real classic going through the later stages of high school and then, you know, you, someone's like talking to you about your career and you go to <laughs> a career counsellor and they're like, hey, yeah, I don't know, you answer, I don't even know what test it was, but this like multiple oh, question test. Oh, yes, I remember that, <laughs> yes. And then it tells you what you're going to be or what yeah. you'd be good at. Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. No shit, hey, like just answered this quest, this quiz and it was like there is a 87% likelihood that you would enjoy doing a role as an environmental engineer <laughs> and i like oh well and then it's the like those quizzes on facebook you know <laughs> you do a few questions you're like oh it turns out i'm a conservative you know <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly it right and you're like i don't and we put so much i put so much trust in that at the time and mm. thought wow you know this adult is telling me to do this quiz and this quiz is telling me that I could be potentially, I could potentially really be either A, good at it or B, really enjoy it um, and C, it would like blend in with all the the subjects I'm doing at the time as well. And yeah, just popping out that that answer of, and mine I remember it was like environmental engineering and and I I started, so what I did with that information is I started to take that out into my life and and talk about it and i would say to my my mum and i'd be yeah mum i could do this quiz and it was engineering that that came out and um and then i'd tell you know really good friends of mine and their parents and the feedback consistent consistent feedback was like that is a good job that pays well you should do it good Mm. job pays well do it right Mm -hmm. and then i was doing um was doing subjects at the time that aligned with that with a really good mate of mine we did we we went through high school together davo and um and yeah it just was this constant it's good pays well do it and the next thing i know i was like ah sweet you know got the right score to be able to get into uni and then it all just flowed pretty easy from that cool university past subjects past subjects you know just tick them off tick them off and then I, I to be honest i really felt like i it blew my mind when i thought about oh my god one day i'm going to be an engineer and when i write my passport form when i'm leaving the country and it says profession and i get to write mm-hmm. engineer oh like my, my world is going to be so complete and it got to that point and i was doing it and i was like engineer and i'm like yes and i'm like one of my mates got this incredible graduate job role with a um got a graduate role with this huge firm this huge company and i was like whoa mate like you have hit the jackpot made it you've done it (laughs) like i don't know how you've done it but you've done it and yes it all just yeah mate and so yeah i i can't i don't know at the time i guess it was a conscious decision because i ended up 
you know, but I guess it was very, very heavily influenced by other people's um, opinions and other people's, like, I guess, concern for me and my future. They, you know, it was all out of care and and concern. Um, And so, yeah, I guess... If I, if I was to drill, drill, drill down into why I did it, I did it because I wanted to be accepted by the people that were closest to me. Mm. And that is a constantly reoccurring situation for me and the things that have driven me to do things is like the, the desire and the, and the fear of not being accepted and the desire to be accepted by people um, because, yeah, you know, they felt so strongly about me doing that and that, you know, I wanted to to please them, to be accepted by them and, mm. um, and yeah, so. I, I 100% know what you mean and it's not to say, by the way, that, you know, engineering sucks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not, not about that and it's not to say that the people in your life did anything wrong. They yeah. were looking out, they had complete best intentions looking out for you and they they did absolutely um but it's just isn't it interesting how we we have this kind of i guess this this status in society or these things that we're driven to do or achieve or be in based on societal expectations yeah absolutely and then when you and 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 as you said it layers you know it wasn't just one thing it was like oh there's this little quiz and oh, yeah, look, I've done some of the prerequisites for it. And, oh, you know what? I'm pretty good at it. And, yeah, I kind of like environment. And I can see how that – and it just kind of layers in the feedback <laughs> loop. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're like, how did I get here? I it wasn't <laughs> – I think the thing that it wasn't conscious or yeah. if it was, it wasn't deeply kind of like deep reflection on it. It was kind of – you went, we get nudged in a yeah. direction. And I guess if I can try to like – poetically draw a parallel here let's see if i can do it, yes. uh, <laughs> Go for it. but to the running analogy again yeah, and your yeah. experience there it's like you realize you're like oh my gosh no i can i can do this i can do the marathon and you i imagine was that kind of the 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 feeling that you had leaving that profession basically leaving the comfort of the engineering profession and going to live a dirt bag <laughs> a rat bag running life yeah was that your motivation to go like were you conscious of that decision at that time uh yeah i think um yeah i'd like to th- think that i was for sure um and uh, you know in t- to add on to that whole situation of of going to to become say like an engineer is you like it like i, I didn't run i didn't have any um affiliation with running or anything like i wasn't i was more concerned about drinking beers and like hanging out with my mates and you know playing footy there wasn't anything there that was like hey you know i can see something in you that you would be a runner it was there was Mm. nothing like that and so i guess (laughs) in some regards like i i went down a path that was that was apt for the time you know and then i guess i yeah changed as as i experienced more things but yeah to to speak to your your question, I think, um, yeah, I think that moment where I made a decision to to go and and live in the Alps and to kind of dedicate my time and efforts to running and essentially, you know, just living a life of a, a running bum. Um, yeah, I, I really felt like that was conscious because there was moments there where I'd be 
sitting down at work and just feeling sick and just being like, I don't want this right now. Like, I don't want this right now. And, um, and what is making me stay here? Because there are other opportunities around. Um, so why aren't you taking those? And I think it just got to the point where it was just like, you know what? Fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? Like, mm-hmm. I'm young. I've got my whole life ahead of me hopefully you know and you know life is a a precious thing and some sometimes it gets taken away from beautiful young people that we that we don't want to lose um and that's incredibly important to reflect on so i don't want to sound like i'm taking it for granted that i'll have a long life um but at the time i guess you know i was younger and i just thought you know what's the worst that could happen i'm not going to let anyone down in regards to um, like a family or people that depend on me. So I'm going to go do it and it's going to be for a few months. So I did have this like safety net as well. Mm. Like it wasn't that I threw everything away and just like threw it all in and went went to went to running. Like I did it in a manner that I, I knew I probably could fall back in a safe spot, um, which was which I'm just like, like beyond words privileged to I guess be in that situation um, and I don't want to – dismiss that or underestimate that or not respect that situation um but yeah i think it, it was definitely a case of like fuck, i'm like i am going to do this mm. and it's not gonna like it's not gonna please too many people in some mm. regards but well yeah. people will be like what what is he doing you know he's yeah. got this i mean i i had again a lot of similarities i i had a similar experience where i was working in an engineering job at holden the car manufacturer and I told the story in my very first episode, actually, um, for any savvy listeners that want to go back and listen to that. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I had that moment where I was in that job and I was like, I don't want to do this. And so I quit that on a Friday. And on the Monday, I joined the Australian Conservation Foundation as a street fundraiser. And I was just on the street, nine to five, trying to shake people down for their credit card details. So good. <laughs> and, so good, man. And, and it, was, it was pretty low risk because I was young and still a student and all that kind of stuff. But um, that was one of those moments for me where I was like, oh, I can, I can, I can do a, take a different path here if I want to. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And a lot of us don't actually think that way. Yeah. And I think it speaks to what you were saying before, like those small little moments – you know, they may seem insignificant in the big scale of things, but they layer and they continue to layer. And it might not be like, it might not be as epic of a change as like a job, but you might even just be in a room where you're having a conversation with someone. And so often like, you know, a topic comes up that you you don't really feel comfortable about talking or you might sense that someone's not comfortable talking about it, but then like you have that little bit of courage to actually push that that conversation a little bit further. And that is just another layer of heading in a direction that that maybe like society doesn't really want, like generally speaking, doesn't really want people to go in. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, don't speak about that topic. It's a bit, you know, it's not really, it's not really, what do they call it, P, PC or whatever, yeah. Yeah. politically correct. But then you're just like, you know what, I, I'm like I've got nothing to lose here. I'm going to just, I'm going to push that push that little boundary mm-hmm. and then you just keep pushing your little boundaries and your little beliefs out a little bit further and next thing you know you're like roaming in a paddock and then you're like <laughs> happy days like i'm actually starting to align my actions with the person that i am deep down or the mm. or line align my actions to those values that i actually hold deep down and i think that's that's like 
probably the crux of it, right? It's yeah. like when your actions are aligned with your values, it's like boom, like things are things are happening. Things are really happening. And the barrier is trying to overcome that um, our societal norms yeah. and the weight of the societal expectation yeah. of what we should do or what a normal <laughs> yeah, normal, normal life is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, have you found that as like has, has that been a common theme with the conversations you've had and the people you've spoken to? Because you've spoken to such an amazing collective of people that have like achieved unbelievable things. When you look at them all as individuals, like as is that what's the reoccurring themes that pop up with that? Uh, now that you mention it, I reckon that that is a definitely a reoccurring theme. Maybe not every single guest that's come out strongly, but for a lot of them, yes. Um, I mean, one that um, immediately pops to mind is Dave Rastovich and his story around how he had this professional surfing career basically charted out for him and he didn't like the commercialization and commoditization and competition that was happening in the surfing world at that time. And so he kind of went, well, fuck it, I'm going to just go and be a free surfer. <laughs> um, but definitely, yeah, uh, there are certainly other people as well. Alison Crook, found, co-founder of Inova, who had this really strong career um, through government and the library system. She had an order of Australia in her career and then later in life jo- joined the Bentley blockade to protest coal seam gas mining and then started up an electricity company, a community-owned electricity company in her later stages of her career. Like yeah. people that just go and do these things. Um, yeah. Pete Zaglinski is another one. I'm going to give a full back catalogue to my podcast now. Awesome. Um, the, co- the founder of Seabin, <laughs> co-founder uh, of Seabin who um, – you know, he, he was working on um, fishing, uh, not fishing, um, racing boats. He was like as a, a engineer or um, laborer or I can't exactly remember what he was doing, but he was working with like high-profile yacht racing. Yeah. Um, and then he and one of his mates just decided, you know, to invent a floating garbage bin. And now they've got them deployed in hundreds of like, well, over 100 countries around the world. You know, it's... It's people that have just gone, well, this this is something I want to do. And at the time that they did it, I don't think they were like, this makes sense or this is a good decision or society was saying this is the thing you should do. It was like yeah. actually a weird thing at the time. Yeah, and yeah. Now look at how that's <laughs> flourished, you know? Yeah. Um, so good, man. And, and, you know, speaking of Dave, because um, he's also a Patagonia ambassador, as you are, and he speaks about the relationship that surfing – has it's a pathway for for him and surfers to connect with 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 nature and the ocean and the environment and we talked about how running can create that as well but as i just said he he has acknowledged earlier in his career the kind of commercialization of surfing have you seen that in the running world have you seen i guess the yeah the 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 corporatization or the the motivations for some people or events um not coming from that place of you know nature and connected to nature but coming from a different place yeah absolutely mate like yeah i mean like a hundred percent and i think you know in it's it's a real moment now you know it's a real moment and i've used the word like watershed moment before um which is you know which is also plays into the the podcast series that dave (laughs) and lauren does with in relationship and partnership with Patagonia. But 
right now, like trail running and the sport, yeah, you know, trail running especially, I think, is is that's his point. It's young, like it. It's got a it's got a deep long history, but it's young in its um, intersection with becoming like business, commercial, um, and I feel like if we don't respect the need for it to also blend in with its need to be environmentally conscious um, and for the people of the sport to to not look at it in such a shallow way, um, yeah, we could we could trend in in the the way that many sports have, you know, be it mountain biking, be it surfing, be it climbing, like they take on this whole different um like identity as being commercial and and people get sucked into that i guess that element of it where it's like mm. this fame and this like this status that comes with you know being a, a successful uh successful athlete or trail runner um so and you know like i've yeah i've received so many like i've received a number of you know um messages or direct messages on on like platforms like instagram where people are like hey um i've won this race and i see that you looks like you have a partnership with this company so um can you like give me the contact to that company because um i've won this race and i think that you know obviously i could probably be a, a sponsored athlete and i just yeah i just question like why? Like why? Like what's being sponsored going to um, provide? Mm. And you know, like yeah, I don't. And I don't want to say that that's like a bad thing for someone to do because they're probably following their curiosity and they they honestly believe in themselves as an athlete, which is amazing. Um, and I think it's something that everyone should definitely do. Um, but I just do like you know this world of this world of instagram and this world of social media paints one pretty it can paint one pretty epic photo of what um like one pretty epic snapshot of what that commercialized professional trail running world looks like and i think that um yeah like we are, we we can get sucked into thinking that it's just all amazing and you get flown around the world to do all these incredible events and you never have to work a day in your life and like but it's yeah it's not really the case Mm. and i think that um and me and a good mate of mine actually dave Byrne, have spoken about this a lot how the the rise of trail running and its commercialized identity also coincided a lot with the rise of the use of platforms like instagram and social media and they've kind of fueled this fire you know, and fueled this industry essentially, or this this part of the industry, which, which yeah, really encourages people to just get out there and and um, yeah, and and to kind of try and get this this fame or this um, following or this identity through, you know, not necessarily being the most um, true person to themselves. Um, but yeah, more of like, oh, I just need to create an identity because that way I can get some free shoes and I can get a sponsorship and then I'll get flown to a couple of races and, you know, and oh, actually I figured out that, you know, if I just run with my shirt off more often, then I'm going to get more followers and I might do that. And, mm. and you know, that whole yeah 
disgusting industry of sex sales and we, oh man i'll go off i'll go off on one here but yeah no uh, no and 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 uh, it's interesting hearing you talk about it from the kind of professional athlete perspective because i certainly haven't experienced that but i've experienced it from a um very um poor amateur athlete perspective <laughs> where, <laughs> like when i did i did a, i did a, a marathon i think i did a half marathon marathon and then i did a, an ironman and that world as like the experience was amazing i loved challenge that challenge of going through that but i saw so many um i saw so much corporate interest in it um i saw so many people swept up in the gear and like, like what gear do you have and what time did you get and mm. you know metal monday i'm going to take my photo on metal monday and post it on social media and um and the, the motivation for me after that i was like oh i don't i don't think that's that, that that doesn't that's not sitting well with me here like this mm. isn't the motivation i don't want to be like i did the i did the ride in a, on a secondhand 350 dollars bike and the front gear didn't change so i had to unclip my shoes and kick it every time i wanted to change gear um whereas you know you've got guys with 10 bags with tens of thousands of dollars and i'm just like i don't know i don't know about this so that's why the 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 first experience going and doing the Tacana run was an amazing experience for me because I was it wasn't I mean the event was incredible and the run was incredible and the scenery but it was the community around it yeah it was completely different the energy was so different everyone was there not for a personal reason of I want to get a time or get a medal or have a notch on my belt yeah everyone was there because they're like we one we want to protect this rainforest two we want to do it with people that we connect with and you know we want and we get along with and we just want it we just want to you know enjoy ourselves and push each other up and do something good for the environment and it was just completely different yeah and so that's it, it was it was so exciting to experience and so uh what i'm really keen to hear about is or for you to tell the listeners about is for wild places and the motivation behind that and what you know what what exactly is for wild places um and why did you do it and what is what's on the cards yeah um let me take it one step back and just say that it's um, it's not that i'm like like i just want to say i'm not trying to like impose my own beliefs and my own thoughts onto anyone in the world of trail running but i do think that as each individual and as we all exist in i'm just going to say trail running but really it applies to to your existence in living right it's like just ask the question why and because if you can find out your reason why you're actually doing it like it's just going to bring such a greater level of depth and it's just going to enrich your experience so much more and i feel like if we don't ask the real question why, we just get swept up in these surface level reasons for doing things and be it, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because a friend's doing it and I'm doing it because, you know, deep down I'm in competition with a friend because they're doing it and I feel like, you know, like my, my identity is challenged or like, you know, whatever because they're doing it and I'm not and I need to be better and I need to grow taller as a poppy than that person and, and all of this stuff. And so, like, I just know so many people out there that 
like, and I've even heard of situations where people have like sat on the side of the trail, like crying in despair because they they just for that moment in that day they couldn't run a certain pace on their watch and hold it you know Mm. and you're just like you're a slave to a number on a watch that is so instantaneous in that moment of time like that's 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 really unfortunate you know and if if that then stems into other areas of your life you're just like you know i just feel like that's a place where we shouldn't and i don't want to say shouldn't but there's another way to be living, you know, and it and it doesn't and it um it doesn't have to be what we're we're led to believe it has to be. And I think that we we all need to do a lot of time. We all need to take some time to just figure out the reasons why we're involved in any situation. And if it is to get results and it is to achieve like certain benchmarks, like that's totally fine. Yeah. Like it, it's it doesn't matter what it is, but once we all start working from our our like true reason why, then it's just gonna like it's just gonna I don't know like be a much more um, pleasant place to exist. Um, and I say that for the sport of trail running, and I say that for yeah, just like society in general. Mm. Um, and geez, like at the same time, I don't want to like adopt this like fake persona like I'm some bloody wise yogi he knows shit because i you know at the end of the day i i took i take that understanding from reading a book that someone else wrote and and i'm just like oh that actually really applies and i feel like that's a really strong place to be to be coming from um but yeah i just like yeah before before the the industry and the sport of trail running goes down a path that we're going to have to regress from eventually like I, I think that we can we all have a, a small little duty to stop and say hang on why am i doing this mm. like why am i really here you know um yeah because uh yeah and then um yeah and i guess to answer your question about for wild places is that's where that came from you know um so for wild places is an organization that really connects trail runners with protecting places of environmental and cultural significance. And after um, being in the world of trail running for a number of years and having opportunities, like you mentioned before, um, be it like represent Australia or run UTMB or, you know, run Marathon de Saab and, and be in those experiences and, and get looked after um, through you know levels of sponsorship um which i don't want anyone to believe is a lot you know it's like being a semi-professional trail runner is like living the life of a professional athlete without the paycheck in many regards um and i think that uh all of that was incredible in regards to like the ego loves it and uh and people you know friends and family really encourage you to do it and makes you feel like oh this is a really healthy way to be doing what i'm doing because i'm getting um you know i'm getting accepted by people or they're showing a certain level of respect because you know of the title of whatever Mm. it is um but yeah i think um nothing had a a greater i don't know nothing connected me more to my reasons why i trail run 
then when I saw the concept that was behind Tekina, um, Tekina Trail back in its inception, and that was um, blending the sport of trail running with the ability to protect wild places and, yeah, having that whole concept of sports activism get, um, yeah, well, you know, becoming a, a thing in my life. And I was like, holy geez, like these, this, you know, just a unison of two things that I feel so greatly for. Um, and how do we take the lead that's been shown by um, organizations like Surfers for Climate or Protect Our Winters um, and even community grassroots organizations that, you know, that use what they love um, to also help what they love. And if it's trail running and the environment and you put those two things together, like, holy geez, you're like doing two of the things you love the most, trail running and protect the environment. And then look at what that does to the depth of your experience when you're out there trail running or you're yes. at an event, you know? Totally, totally. Like, and, it, you, and your motivation changes from being one of, um, per, like, I'm motivated to go and run this event to get this, you know, to say I've done it, your motivation changes to I'm going to go run this event because I fucking care about this course. Yeah. And I'm going to have a good time doing it, but I, I, I'm doing it for something else, yeah. something bigger than myself. Yeah. And that's a huge thing too. Like if you can, if you can do it in service of something greater than you, mm. I believe that is just like a, a space that is so fulfilling and so like, yeah, just something that I just wish everyone can experience because Again, I don't want to say that like some people won't get enjoyment out of hitting a certain time and all of that or running a certain distance. I feel like all of that is really, really important and I probably wouldn't be in the place that I am if I didn't do that at some stage in my life. Um, but I think that and I wish that I had that the awareness to ask the reasons why I was doing it um, at an earlier stage in my in my time in trail running, you know, because I feel like, who knows how many more wild places I could have contributed to protecting if I if I'd done that, mm. um, and yeah, you know, for wild places is was was um, born out of being in a in a place with such a amazing feeling and such a community vibe and such a strong sense of purpose, um, and we are a group of people that had a conversation after the the second running of the Tekina Trail, which was back then known as the Tekina Ultra. We came together and just all had this um, emotion and energy that we wanted to not just put into our trail running but also put into protecting wild places. And we just felt like um, there wasn't really a um, – an organization or a platform to transfer all that energy and emotion into action and into impact for like positive impact for the environment. Um, and yeah, you know, and like I said, you see the surfing world do it um, through surface for climate. And I'm sure there's, there's so many other organizations and in America, there's an, an amazing um, organizations that do it like um, runners for public lands, you know, and, um, the Up for Air series as well, who who links trail running with environmental protection, and um, and the need to have better air quality. And I just think you know, it's there was just there is, and we have so much opportunity right now in Australia as a community of trail runners to 
link those two things together and and just bring a whole new depth to our experience in the sport and our relationship to the places that we rely on. And mm. so many people say, oh, I, I have to run because it's the only time in my day where I'm free and I can clear my head and I feel alive. And, and you're like, and so all of these times you go out running, they are like the most important part of your day or they allow you to exist as the person you want to exist for the rest of your day after you run or and all of these things. You're like, so we need the environment to do that. We need the outdoor natural places to run in, to experience those things. Well, how about we also figure out a way to protect them and to keep them alive because what you're saying to me is if you couldn't run in these places, then like certain elements of your life would be like a lot less, you know, enjoyable mm. or, or um, easy to manage. So like, hang on, like let's, let's like close this system and like let's, um, I don't like use the word give back, but, you know, let's figure out a way we can, we can keep this little ecosystem in a healthy space because yeah. we all need it. Yeah. So. 100%. And, um, and that the irony is or the paradox is that as you, as you approach running with that intention – which is to protect the places that we love and to experience and, you know, be of service to our natural environment. The paradox is it actually provides a richer experience for you anyway. Yeah. And you have more, like, I had way more fun at the Tekana event um, than any other running or sports event I've done. So it's, it weirdly enough, selfishly, it's actually more fun anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and you just meet, you know, you you... You um, when you start to blend those two worlds as well, like pure trail running and environmental activism, you you get introduced to a whole new community, and you get to meet people from a whole new like. Well, you get to meet people that are giving their life and time and energy to a whole different part of this the world, and and you're like, holy geez, like, and you get this amazing cross pollination between these two two groups of people, which again just like allows you to to do things that we should i don't want to use the word should again but that we that we you know we do naturally as humans you know it's communicate and meet and gather and share stories and like come together as a community and just like all of that is just these other layers that just stack on when you start to breach out of that yeah that other world and um and yeah and you know it's in its infancy um but like at least we've taken the first step, mm. you know, and if people either do it through, yeah, if people end up doing it through anything with for wild places or do it just by themselves in their own community, like it's possible and we all have the permission to do it, you know. Um, I love it. It's, um, I think we're going to have to have to land this, but I, I love <laughs> the, I love the, I could talk to you so much more about the metaphors for life in running. <laughs> You know, even just then, you said we've taken the first step. Like, yeah. just getting to the starting line is is a metaphor, yeah. right? Um, you know, things like the the roller coaster of emotions, the struggles, the highs, the lows, the um, the 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 space between aid stations. You know, yeah. where you're just like, there's no one out there to help you. Yeah. There's help coming, but you got to get there first. You know, yeah, yeah. like there's so many. Um, but I love that. You know, there's the the 
taking the first step and starting that starting that process with for wild places um and i think if there was like a theme for me in in running in this conversation and all of these metaphors it's just like we are so much more capable than we think we are or we're led to believe or through our unconscious kind of walking through life you know um whatever you feel like you want to do that resonates with you you can yeah right and you just need to you just need to kind of give it a go and it will be awkward and it will be weird and your first marathon will suck (laughs) it won't suck but you'll suffer through it but that's part of it yeah right and we i think and that's a i think a thing as well you know like putting yourself in in uncomfortable situations is necessary Mm. it's it's really really necessary because if we spend our whole life feeling comfortable we'll just never know like we'll just never know what enjoyment we can get out of other things because we just are too concerned about always remaining comfortable and once you start to to breach into those those areas that you might be fearful of like then the whole world opens up because you realize that you are capable yeah and you are possible you can you can go into those places and come out of it alive generally feeling pretty good and with a whole new perspective on on where you're going Mm. and yeah and i think you know you gotta love a good quote hey and um the whole thing where like you know you can't you can't solve problems with the same consciousness that created them. And I feel like we are going to have to adopt different ways of being in this world if we want to survive as a, as a race, you know, as, as humans, because um, we've created a lot of situations that we're, we now have to face. And really, we're going to really have to, come up with a different way of, of dealing with them that is probably a lot different to how we created them, mm. you know, and be that through, yeah, you know, everyone just taking a little step out of their comfort zone to realize what we are capable of could really, yeah, could really allow a lot of people to, um, yeah, to come together in ways that we can't even imagine and then contribute to a, a much healthier future. Or a future full stop mm. because yeah you know the way we are uh, the way we're tapping resources in this day and age is and the way we're growing as a population you know we're going to run out of of planets to live on and um yeah i don't know i don't know where we're going to go when that time comes along mm. you're right it will definitely require a different mentality we're not going to engineer our way out of it no, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> it requires a different approach yeah yeah and, and i think and i think uh it's gonna yeah it's gonna require some some knowledge that some cultures have have known for mm. tens of thousands of years yeah and we're gonna have to strip a lot back yeah we're gonna have to strip a lot of what we we have we're gonna have to strip that back and just go back to some really really simple ways the mm. ways that people have done for ten thousand tens of thousands of years and and done it successfully with with a lot of love and a lot of health you know um but yeah man that's a that's a big thing that's a big thing Cap- we're capable though, like a possible thing 
it's yeah that's there you go we'll bring it back to that we are capable we are so much more capable than what we think we are of um mile thanks man thanks we, James. Could, we could go on for ages but um yeah i'll i'll land this one now and maybe we do this again and explore some of those other rabbit holes in a future episode mate anytime we can um we can explore rabbit holes and and ideas i would be uh open to the conversation man thank you for the the work that you do and conversation mate is so important and i and i just think that yeah you taking the step to to do this and make it something is just an example that that will lead people that you may not even meet down a down a much more like enriched life i reckon yeah so thanks bro Oh, I hope so, but I should be saying thanks to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, you know, the, not just for your time, but for the, um, you know, the conservation, the advocacy, the activism um, work that you're doing is really important. And I think likewise, <laughs> I think you're going to influence a lot more people than my small following, but um, it's, all, it's all really important and really good stuff. You're right. And just taking those steps and putting yourself out there is very, a very important part of it. So, yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Epic. You. How good. Thanks, man.